Blog Talk Radio. of Inside the Burger Shop. This is uh, a three-week hiatus that we have come off of, which uh, is great to be back. And uh, we had a really fun show before we uh, took a little break, and we had the team who's really done an incredible job uh, at crafting the language and the social channels for Bleacher Report. So really thankful to the whole Bleacher Report team and Kenny and the guys for coming on and, and spending some time uh, on the show. It is September 15th, uh, a steamy, hot, warm day in, in New York, 90 degrees, just when you think the summer is over. Um, uh, we are back with uh, uh, a very, very warm day, uh, and it is amazing to sort of feel that way. You know, the U.S. Open ends and uh, Labor Day, kids get back to school, and uh, um, and all of a sudden, uh it's still 90 degrees, so uh, really a exciting show in store for today. We will be joined by uh, really the, the top sports business um, reporter in the world uh, at ESPN, as is Darren Ravel, so we're excited to have my good buddy uh, on the show today. Um, you know, it's been a sort of a crazy uh, last, I don't know, call it 10 days uh, in sports and in, in, in New York um, with all the things going on, obviously the NFL starting and baseball and the Yankees and Mets right there in the, in the, uh, in the thick of things. So um, the next couple of weeks should be unbelievable. Yankees with Kershaw today, two games out. Uh, the Mets up a half game. Uh, the wild card race in the AL is bananas. There's about six teams that have shots at it. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens with those teams. Of course, we uh, had the first NFL Sunday the other day, and we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Maybe we'll get to that uh, after Darren. Um, but, of course, we want to thank our, our, our partners 
for being a part of the show. Of course, our, our founding partner and sponsor, Hyper. Um, as you know, Hyper is the largest search engine database for celebrities and influencers in the world with over 4 million influencers. The ability to get on there, check out all of their social data and their audience data, head over to hyperbrands.com, H-Y-P-R brands.com. Our second uh, and our, our sort of our latest sponsor is uh, the Crowds Line, and the Crowds Line is the ultimate uh, place to put in your prediction. Um, every prediction is free. Uh, you can head over to the CrowdsLine.com right now and make your prediction, and they've given us some sort of things going on within the NFL. Obviously, a huge AFC game coming on on Sunday that you can play at the Crowds Line. The Bengals coming off a big win against my Jets. Steelers coming off of a huge win uh, against uh, the Redskins. There is every reason to believe the Steelers and the Bengals will be representing uh, the AFC at the end of the year. The Crowd Line does a great job of spotting the elite, and the Crowds Line is bullish on the Steelers. They like the Steelers this weekend. Las Vegas has the Steelers favored by three points. The crowd thinks you should take the Steelers in the points. The crowd sees this as a very high-scoring game, likes the over as well. So uh, head over to the Crowds Line, thecrowdsline.com. Make your prediction today. Receive prizes and more at the Crowds Line. And, of course, our newest sponsor, Pita Express, the best pita and, uh, and hummus in New York. And uh, head over there, downtown Ann Street. Tell them that you listen to Inside the Burger Shop podcast and receive uh, a free appetizer over at Pita Express. My guy Billy Kotler on the one and twos back there cooking up all the goodies. Head down to Ann Street, Financial District, New York City. Get yourself some appetizers, your pita, get a little hummus, maybe a little chicken with that. It's a wonderful spot. Tell them you listen to Inside the Burger Shop podcast, and my guy Billy Cotler will hook you up uh, the way you have never been hooked up uh, before when it comes to Mediterranean food. They are the premier. Um, talk a little heat index a little later, the hyper heat report, um, and we will look at three uh, NFL players, as we always do towards the end of the show. The hyper heat report, of course, is brought to you by hyper, and we will look at Antonio Brown, who just is clearly the best receiver in the league and went number one in every draft. Uh, fantasy-wise, and uh, we will also look at Odell Beckham and Matt Forte. So three NFL players that clearly are uh, three of three stars and three guys that everybody had their eye on in Week One. And you know, before ja- Darren joins us, I, I do want to touch on uh, Week One a little bit. And um, you know, it was a, it was an exciting weekend. A lot of games, some blowouts, but a lot of close games. But how the NFL does it with these close games, these comebacks. It was really an incredible, you know, first Sunday, which was sort of amazing because the dud that uh, that happened on Monday night with two blowouts, very low ratings in Monday night. I think the lowest since 2002 uh, with the blowout of the first game. Weird, sort of weird. You have all that football on Sunday. You have a crazy game Sunday night where Jimmy Garoppolo leads the Patriots into the NFC favorite, uh, Arizona and beats Arizona, knocking a tremendous amount of people out of their survivors, which was great for me since all those people got uh, knocked out. But it is amazing to see how good Belichick and these Patriots are. No Brady, 
no Gronk, no Deion Lewis, um, and a couple defensive players out, and they come in and they hit Arizona in the mouth. They outplayed them throughout the entire game, and even though Arizona missed a late field goal, they didn't deserve to win that game, you know, whatsoever. So you come off of this wild Sunday, wild Sunday night, and you come at 655 uh, sort of pregame for the 710 kickoff, uh, Steelers, Washington, and the Redskins just absolutely throw up all over themselves on national TV, lose 38-16, Antonio Brown just doing circles all over these guys, playing you know, absolutely incredible uh, football, and, uh, and really showing the world that the Steelers are you know, the real deal. And this is without their best player, uh, Le'Veon Bell, who might be the best player in football out another three weeks. Uh, when he's back and that, with that offense, and again, don't forget, they're also missing Martavius Bryant, who's out for the year with a drug suspension. You add the two of them together in that offense, with that offensive line and Roethlisberger, that is a serious football team. And they get Cincinnati this weekend, as you just heard from the crowds line, and that should be a really, really interesting uh, game over the weekend. And then, of course, you had the second game, and the second game was – uh, potentially even more of a dud than the uh, Steelers game. You had um, a really, really uh, jacked-up 49ers team with Chip Kelly in his first year, and they were going up against the Rams that obviously everybody has had their eye on with, um, with all the stuff going on with hard knocks. And, uh, and Jeff Fisher, who my boy Adam Shine from Sirius Radio loves to pick on, calls him Mr. 8-8, eight and eight. Again, threw up all over himself. 28 nothing. Couldn't even get a, a first down most of the game. Case Keenan playing uh, quarterback for the Rams. Very, very weird. They didn't even dress Goff, who's the number one pick in the draft. Lost 28 nothing. They have a journeyman quarterback playing. They're moving into a brand-new city and a brand-new stadium in Los Angeles. Very weird stuff that is going on in, in L.A. with this Rams team. Um, the, the question is, and my guy Adam Shine has been all over this, um, when will Jeff Fisher be gone? I mean, how many more years can he have this job? Um, so the Rams, so so the Rams got off to an awful start. Obviously, you know things in LA have calmed down a little bit as far as you know, how good this team is going to be. And then of course you had uh, the game on Sunday, two, the two New York teams playing on Sunday, the Jets playing at one, and the G-Men playing at four. And uh, and what we saw is sort of classic Jets and Giants, right? I mean the Jets did everything that they possibly could do to lose the game. Uh, seven sacks. The defensive line is the best in the league. Really, really, really strong. But at the same time, you've got a team who can't make field goals, can't make extra points, and most importantly, cannot settle for three. In that league, you have to get six. You have to get seven. You have to punch the ball over the goal line and get those touchdowns. And unfortunately uh, for the Jets, they kicked too many threes. And, uh, and in the end, it came to bite them. Uh, and it was an unfortunate terrible loss that uh that the Jets had in deer but um you know it's one of those things where as you get through the season it's the kind of loss that it'll absolutely you know really really be tough to take so um the Jets are in a tough spot have a huge game tomorrow night in Buffalo against the Rex Ryan led Bills 
two losses against Buffalo last year. The Jets cannot afford to go 0-2 with the kind of schedule they have uh, coming up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Jets. And then, of course, the other side was the Giants. At 4 o'clock against Dallas, their big rival. They catch a break, no Tony Romo. A close game throughout the whole game. But in the end, the way the Giants sort of seemed to do, pulled off the game 1-0 and for the G-men, led by Eli. Touchdown for the rookie. Uh, solid job by their defense. So an impressive win by the Giants. We go into week two. Uh, with both New York teams one and one, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens as we, as we really go from there. So uh, with that, we're excited to have on inside the Burger Shop today a friend of mine and uh, a neighbor, Darren Ravel from ESPN. And Darren, appreciate you taking some time to step on up into uh, onto the grill here at Inside the Burger Shop. How are you, sir? Darren, can you hear us? A little bit of an issue here with Darren getting him uh, on the air live here. Uh, Darren, are you with us? Hello? Hi, Darren? Hello? Hi, Darren, you're on the air inside the burger shop. How are you? Hello? Hi, you're on the air. This is Inside the Burger Shop. Is this Darren? Hmm. Very strange. Uh, not exactly sure what's what's going on with that, but we will uh, ping Darren shortly. I don't know uh, what exactly is going on there, but uh, hopefully Darren will uh, call in shortly. Um and, you know, so let's just move back into the other stuff that happened uh, on Sunday in the NFL. And, of course, I'm, now we're back with Darren. Hold on one second. And uh, it is uh, a pleasure to welcome uh, the sports business guru from ESPN, Darren Ravel, to Inside the Burger Shop podcast. Darren, how are things What's today? up? Sorry I'm late. No worries at all. We actually had a somebody just called in, and, and uh, I guess they were trying to talk to you as part of a question, <laughs> but uh, no problem at all. How's everything? Busy. Uh, just, uh, you know, every day's uh just a madhouse in here, so. <laughs> the, way it's, uh, the way it's supposed to be. Well, welcome to uh, Inside the Burger Shop, where the grill is always hot. It's burning nice. today, 90 degrees on a warm day. It's uh, a pleasure to to have you on, and I, I thought we'd start um, sort of in the area that you're, you know, you're obviously playing, and you've crafted this interesting niche um, around sports and business, and the intersection of of social and even a little bit of food. And we'll talk about that. And you know, there's so many people out there who sit around and say, "Boy, Ravel's job is awesome." You know, how does somebody? And we have a lot of young people who listen to this show. How do they prepare for a job like you have? What do you study in school? Um, to get to what you're tr- what you actually do. Well, first I would say that uh, people who look at me and say, "Hey, that's a cool job," I would say that probably around, and I'm not complaining. I would say that if people shadow me for a day, about 85% of them would say, "I actually don't want this job," um, just because 
yes, what I put out might be fun and exciting, but the point to get it there um, is grueling. It's you know, I've 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 set a bar for myself that people have expectations about what I'm going to put out and what I'm going to deliver, and that that is definitely exhausting. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was just I just love sports and business. I noticed I was reading the the business pages, the green money section of USA Today, uh, before I was reading sports. All of a sudden, as a lifelong sports fan, and um, you know, I so there was a need uh, when I was coming out of school to to have a, a national type sports business presence because people were having conversations at the water cooler and, you know, didn't want to seem like an idiot. Um, needed to know base year compensation, matching up trades, their owner's capacity to spend salary caps, that kind of stuff. So I realized that at some point, um, if people didn't know that, they weren't as good of a fan. So generally, how do people get to do what I do? One, you you, you need to uh, realize what you like and certainly then figure out if there's a need for it. Um, and if, if there's something, if you're, if you're a visionary and you're ahead of your time, like I think I was, there's going to be a lot of pushback. Um, <laughs> you know, when I came out in 2000, it wasn't a natural thing to have a sports business reporter. And luckily, you know, there was one guy at ESPN who I happened to meet on the third interview who said, yeah, we should probably just give this a try. If it doesn't work out, we're only paying this kid $41,000. So that's uh, that. That's really how how it worked out. So be your be your own style. Figure out what you like. Make sure it fills a need, and then just pound it and be persistent so that people know what you stand for and and what you're going to deliver every day. And you mentioned in the beginning what your day is like, and I sort of wrote down a question in a, in a couple minutes, but I guess I should ask it now, which is, what is your day like? And I remember. We got together a couple months ago, and we talked about what your Sunday is like, and young kids, and obviously all the games, and all the all, all the social channels being updated. You know, what does a normal daylight look like? Are you going up to Bristol? Are you in New York? Are you in ABC? What is sort of a day? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not really. Yeah, yeah, there's not really a normal day. Like tomorrow, I know I have to. Uh, there's an Under Armour fashion show I have to go to for an hour. I have another meeting in the city. I have there's a, the Nike actual unveiling of those Color Rush jerseys. I try to plan where I need to be and try to stack meetings together so that I don't go in and out of the city. Or uh, Bristol, I'm there once a week. Um, you know, ABC, I'm there when I'm in the city. That's kind of my home office. That's kind of my base. Um, but average day, wake up. Uh, my wife's not a morning person, so I have you know three kids under four and a half, and I pretty much get them to the point of breakfast, and then at eight o'clock I go on my way. But usually between five thirty, I wake up at about five thirty and do a bunch of stuff for an hour before I get the kids ready, and then from eight o'clock on, it's just constant. Um, you know, most days I'm in my office because I feel like I, I'm at an advantage if I'm not traveling around um, and just kind of doing a mix. Uh, today uh, I did a story in the morning, which I knew I had to do on the Drone Racing League. Uh, then Forbes came out with their NFL franchise values. I did a story on that. 
Uh, Cal um, uh, announced a partnership with Marshawn Lynch for his Beast Mode clothing. They're going to be selling that this week at their at the game against Texas at Cal. Meanwhile, just doing my tweeting and um, probably the thing I was most surprised about today is people really care that the NFL does not allow you to put Harambe on the back of a jersey. <laughs> it is wild. And, again, we're talking to the great uh, sports business reporter from ABC, ESPN, uh, Darren Ravel. You could follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at Darren Ravel. And we know from the hyper data that Darren has uh, almost uh, 1.5 million followers on Twitter, 7,500 fo- followers on Instagram. But what's really interesting is the engagement, getting almost 300 likes for every post on Twitter about 60 comments getting, but the thing that's so interesting is the shares. You're getting 175 shares that we know from the hyper data on every one of your posts from an average, which, you know, that is an incredible number, and that means the stuff that you're putting out, people are really intrigued about and people care about to actually share it to their own their own. Uh, network as opposed to cutting mm-hmm. and pasting it or sharing you know what you sent out. What is your sort of content calendar, if you will, look like? Meaning when a brand looks at September, they know what they're pushing out. They create a monthly or a annual content calendar. Do you do you do that? Is that what you do from five thirty to seven? What do you do to? I have I have about a thousand planned tweets which is kind of scary, cause, and I don't know why this popped into my head, but I, I thought the other day, like, it's going to be really scary since no one knows my tweet deck password or whatever. It's going to be really scary if somehow I died tragically and then, like, the next day be like, you know, this date in 1969. I thought he was dead. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I have, I have, I'm, I'm almost up to a 1,000 planned tweets because historical tweets do really well. So I, as I'm reading something, as I pick up on something, I'll save it for another day when it's, when it's more relevant. Um, and I, other than that, I make sure that I'm around. I feel like my following is where it is because I've kind of served as the pop-up video, um, for lack of a better term, guys of our generation pop-up video of when a live game is going on. I pop up with something that no one else is talking about. Um, and so, so the live game schedule is, is kind of key that I always have to invest in being there when everyone else is there. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of my schedule. I have to figure out, okay, Thursday night football, I, I have a whole schedule of where I, where I need to be when I need to be in front of my Twitter and what kind of the expectations that people have for me. Most reporters at your level go to the games. You you sound like you're, the most important thing for you is to actually be in front of the computer. Absolutely, I think my 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 advantage is not going to the game. I I am uncomfortable when I'm at the game, um, just because, I and and I feel like that's given me an advantage. Um, I I can look at the total social experience, look at what people are talking about, and you know one of the most important things for a journalist today is to really have a sense of what people want. And I think if you're at the game, you're not completely focused and you don't know what people want. Plus the Wi-Fi is, you know, there's, it's very, very shaky exactly. in certain places and, and, and it throws, you know, throws you, you yeah, off. I've, I've actually gone, you know, I've done the whole week at the Super Bowl, and for the past five years I've flown home on Saturday just because I cannot, I cannot risk anything. You know, I, I, I have to make sure that uh, my game is complete for the Super Bowl. 
You know, one of the things that you do as good as any reporter I've ever seen is you work with brands or seem, you know, you, you, you head over to China, with, you, do, you cover the Under Armour, you're working with Forbes, you're working with Nike. I mean, you're sort of a, almost like a, a PR channel in a way for brands. Is your phone sort of constantly ringing by, you know, a brand to try and see if you'll cover something, such as the Color Rush jerseys, Nike gives you a call, or their PR people come see the show, here's some jerseys, yeah. whatever. Constantly speaking to brands. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's kind of there's a love hate relationship in that if I don't like something about about a a, a Nike or an Under Armour, they know I'm going to slam the hell out of them, you know. Um, And and I guess they they understand that. But yeah, I mean I'm get I'm getting between you know ten and twenty pitches a day, Um, and you know most of them I say no to because. Often the best stories are the ones that I feel like I, I think up instead of are given. Now, you know the the stories that I I really want and are kind of the the faith plays for for corporate America is you know the endorsement stories. If an agent doesn't want to tell me and a brand doesn't want to tell me, I'm not going to get that story. And so, you know, some so, some of it is me searching it out, like the Jason Day story with Nike. I was able to to get that just just being dogged but you know you you also would like to think hey given given my impact given my reach i'd hope that you'd you'd give it to me if it's up to you so those are the other kind of stories that i that i seek and when you look at the hyper data that you have on your social obviously pr people and brands are rushing to hopefully have you cover the stuff with all yeah great yeah, hopefully you say it's a, you know, I like to say I'm I'm the best one-stop shop. And, you know, I feel like before I used to say, hey, it's, you know, ESPN versus the New York Times. What do you want to pick? And now it's like I feel like I can say, well, it's Darren Ravel versus the New York Times. And, no doubt and, about it. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I think I think that does matter to them. You talked about Jason Day and Nike, so it's probably a good time to to bring up uh, Eldrick Tiger Woods, who's coming back next year, uh, next month after basically a two year hiatus. What are your expectations of sort of Tiger? You know, obviously on the course, but even off of it. I mean, is this obviously the chance to explode? I mean, the first tournament that he's going to play in, the eyeballs are going to be you know absolutely enormous, and the, and the attention back on golf in a, in a way that they haven't seen in a little while. You know, what are you? Yeah, hearing? I know. I don't think. I mean, I don't have. I don't have much expectation. I, you know, um, and and I don't think uh, you know Nike is going to overplay it. I think I think they just have to see how he's going to play. Um, you know, this is you know the third time we're coming back, and and this is certainly the longest stretch. And we had never heard before, you know, that he wasn't uh, he didn't have any timetable at all. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it'll be really cautious because Nike's gotten burned, I think, before with over enthusiasm and communicating that to retailers, and then things didn't work out, and they got burned, retailers got burned. So, um, we'll have to see. I mean, I think it's good that he's coming back, but I don't know uh, whether the optimism is is uh, right or or if you know this will signify the end. It's also a very sensitive time for Nike Golf with them pulling out of merchandise and, and golf clubs and, and Rory, so it's obviously a, a little bit of a tough time. We're again talking to the great Darren Ravel from ESPN, and Darren, I know you're busy, so we don't want to hold you too long. I have a couple more thoughts. Uh, one is, um, 
you know, well, our hyper data shows about 63% of your following is in the U.S., which means obviously uh, 37% of your following is international. Now, how much? Which is pretty good, right? Thought, very good, very very okay. good. How much time do you think about and sort of effort do you put into building that international uh, audience? Uh, <clears throat> probably over the last year, year and a half, I've done more um, because I've noticed that. Before, I didn't really tweet before 7.30, 8 o'clock because I felt like it was lost, and I could tell that there's more of an international base coming up because when I, I look at what's if, – if I go very late till 2 or 3 a.m. or I go you know 5 to 7 in the morning, that obviously skews international. Um, I've been doing um, you know more soccer stuff partly because I feel like it's okay because of the because US and the Premier League there's more interest there um but but I've 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 kind of been doing a little bit more and you could definitely tell I mean I I pay a lot of attention you obviously do to statistics and I I I always look at what works with tweets what don't what doesn't work and um and kind of and 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 so that's how I gauge whether I'm going to do something or not. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I feel I feel for something like tennis because I love tennis, and all the data is telling me don't tweet about it because no one cares. Um, that that that's kind of, when I see things like that, it's kind of crazy. It is, and tennis is in a really sort of an interesting space. I was listening yesterday, and I heard uh, somewhere that. The U.S. Open, they sell more when when the the merchandise that they sell is bigger than like any other polo retailers. When you actually combine them all over the course sure. of the year, because so many people come in, and obviously the the, the 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 dollars are so significant of people who go you know to the U.S. Open. But when you start thinking about some of those order tournaments, such as the Australian or the French. Um, They've sort of lost their wind, uh, sort of lost the, the, the momentum and not really much of people talking about that stuff. Yes, especially here in the U.S., for sure. No question. Um, uh, you know, Darren, you know, the, the thing that's so interesting is how you've been able to build branches off of sports business. There's so many different angles when you look at sports business, from sponsorships to ticketing to endorsements to obviously you know, anything that's connected to off the court. But the area that you've focused a little bit on and sort of built the niches this food area um, <laughs> besides being you know a, uh, a, a, a guy who usually likes to uh, have some FES in here and there um, you know what is your uh, how, how did that start just for a love of food and uh, I always like stadium food and I guess you know what happened maybe six years ago is that the owners figured out that they could make money better uh, by doing, you know, $20 unique items that people would even come to the ballpark expressly for versus selling a dirty water dog for 15, uh, you know, that are, that's 15 cents that, you know, for six bucks. And so, you know, I've always kind of had a, a passion for, for food. I really should be 400 pounds. And, uh, I just I, I took a liking to it, and then the the r- reporting on it actually, you know, once I started doing it, and I had the following that I had, it was like uh, shooting fish in a barrel in terms of like any any major franchise that was doing something new, you know, would come to me, and I'd like to think that uh, you know part of that was because they thought of it to begin with because I was doing so much about it. 
And um, so it's it's been really fun over the last you know six years. You know, I probably do eighty to a hundred fifty food items a year that I exclusively break on my Twitter feed. And that comes from the team. So you know, Colorado Rockies hit you up and say, "Hey, we got it. we're coming out with the you know the the hot dog covered with uh, with bacon and yeah. avocado and yeah. topped with strawberries," and and then you'll push that out with a picture, et cetera, right? Yes, but but sometimes what people don't know is what goes on behind the scenes. A lot of times the teams give me bad photos, and and you know I, they, either too much bun, too much plate, too much napkin, uh, and I always encourage them to uh, go take the picture again to make because it's in my best interest too to make it look good. No, you're, you're sort of the modern day Bruce Weber when you think about how pictures should be shot by <laughs> Darren Ravel. And uh, Darren, before we let you go, you know you've been a great friend of the show and, and, a, and a super guy, and, and I love I love your work. And um, what's next? What's sort of on the horizon as you wrap up? You know, the, sort of getting into the fall and looking at the last couple of months of 2016 before uh, we launched 2017. What does the rest of 2016 look like for you? Well, we'll see. You know, I feel like there's going to be a lot of coverage for me on LeBron and Steph Curry, certainly Steph Curry kind of becoming the, the villain or the Warriors becoming the villain. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing going on. Uh, I'm just going to try to do more stuff with Periscope, with digital, you know, maybe try to build out some digital shows. Um, and, the, you know, I think there's a really good opportunity now to to say, hey, you know, this is something cool. Even if there's 50,000 people watching me open up packs of cards, you know, maybe you can make a digital show out of that. And, you know, maybe eventually that gets on TV. So I'm I'm just excited about uh, you know, the times right now and, and the budgets in digital kind of growing and to bring things to people that they haven't seen before. Yeah, and the baseball card phenomenon is super interesting. And I saw the Greg Jeffries piece the other day, and I know I have at least 50 of those uh, cards. Oh, yeah. Didn't make a, do- didn't make a dollar on, on, on those, and that's Greg with two Gs for everybody who, who no, was a big you fan know, of No, all of a sudden, Jerome Walton came out of nowhere. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like... <laughs> it's going to be rookie of the year, and then you know Jerome Walton just put it on. But uh, and, and exactly. of course, ra- ra- our riches never down. came. Exactly. That, that's uh, that's right. It, it, there's a there's a kid who's made an incredible amount of money opening toys for young kids. My kids used there's to watch. A wood, it there's a woman really who's low. made five million. Yeah, five million dollars a year. My daughter watches her. Yep. So my son does used to do the same used to do the same thing, and now toy companies are calling up those people and saying, "Hey, you know, we're coming out with a new toy. We want our toy to be the hot thing for Christmas. We're going to work with you as an as a channel, the way you know, the way a baseball card company could work with you. So it's a really interesting strategy and an interesting idea. Yeah, but I I only want cards from '87 and '93. That's their problem. I I I think what makes my piece is the guessing game part of it. Um, you know, and and the fact that I know. Uh, you know, I, I'm an idiot savant in those four or five years, and I know people who didn't even play a major league game. Uh, I think that makes no, it better no, than no. just I'm opening it. What did I get in the pack? No question, because you're able to personally make a comment on you know a rated rookie who doesn't get there, and that makes sense. Because when I look at your um, data from an age group standpoint, when you look at hyper, you have double 
the uh, following is 33 to 39 from any other age group. So oh, that's that cool. That's sense. an interesting stat. Yeah. I like that. 40, and that may, and that makes sense. Now the question the question is was it like that or did I did I build that in that you know. Uh, naturally, people my age, you know, I, I kind of love things like that, and people feel like they have to follow me in that age range, you know? Yeah, and you're, you're, no question. And when they see other friends following and sharing, and you're coming out with such you know, interesting content that they want to, you know, they want to follow you as well. So, look, Ms. I, I appreciate you spending some time with us today and your busy schedule, and uh, brisket on me at Epiessence. Uh, there you go. Was it was fun. Be Thanks well, for having man. me. Okay. Absolutely. The great Darren Ravel from uh, ESPN, Disney, uh, ABC conglomerate, the sports business uh, reporter, and, and the guy who's really trailed, just created his own trail. Uh, there's nobody who's doing anything like he's done, and if you've tried it or if there are people, you, the level that he is doing it on is so significant. Um, when you think about uh, – uh, the ability for him to compare himself and other people like me to compare him to the New York Times when breaking stories, his channel of being able to receive that many organic shares, it's one thing for people to like a post, to retweet a post. But when somebody can share it on a Facebook, on Instagram, on on Twitter, it's unbelievably powerful. And, uh, and the man has obviously built an incredible uh, uh, structure, uh, a really interesting job, and I, I thought the takeaway from sort of is everyone thinks what he does is so fun and so interesting, but what I wanted to try to get at today, and last time I had spoken to him, he, who went through this, is how tough his days are, starting at 5.30, up late, up early, tons of travel, and really building sort of a, a, a content calendar on a daily basis to push information out. And a lot of that content and information comes from brands that are reaching out to him and offering him opportunities to cover something that nobody else has a chance to. And myself being in sort of the social digital influencer marketing world, you know, when you look at a PR company and who they're trying to, to get coverage from and you look at what Darren brings to the table – and how it looks from such an organic standpoint, it's a no-brainer that you want to break your stories, you know, with Darren. And uh, he's really, you know, really, really a special guy, and, and what he's up to is, is, you know, is really creating an industry. And people like my son and others who, who grow up and are big sports fans will eventually want to do what he's doing. Or, or, and obviously the timing and the technology has been very, very uh, beneficial to, to Darren, but that stuff that he's built, you know, with the timing and with the technology to really build up his brand and his social channels in a way that, uh, that really nobody else has. So again, thanks to uh, ESPN and, and Disney and ABC and Darren for uh, coming on the show today and, and spending a, little, a good 20 minutes with us on what he's up to and, and sort of the intersection of, of sports and, um, digital and, and business. So thank you uh, to everybody involved uh, for that. And before we get into the hyper uh, heat report, uh, the heat index, where we look at three individuals, I want to quickly touch on one thing. It's sort of not sports related, although um, sports brought us back. And that's uh, on Sunday that just passed was the 15 uh, year anniversary of, of 9-11 um, in downtown Manhattan when Almost 3,000 people were killed uh, when two airplanes struck uh, the World Trade Center, amongst other 
attacks. And the reason why I bring it up is because not only is it the 15th year anniversary, uh, which is obviously very special, but every year is a special time. I am very, very close to sort of what happened. I lived across the street uh, in 2001 with my friend Mark, watched this uh, happen live, um, was awoken by what we saw, um, unfortunately watched the second plane uh, with our eyes come over our building and uh, and obviously do the damage that it did and, and evacuated and, and uh and downtown Manhattan and our lives were uh were never the same after that. And uh many people after that ran away, ran away from New York, ran the way from downtown and, and I stayed downtown and uh and I'd never seen anything like what had happened and I sort of stayed down there, uh invested and lived down there and uh and watched as a city and and a people came together to uh, be with each other, to support each other, and to uh, obviously the just heroic, heroic jobs by the fire departments and the uh, police and all the people who had such a huge, huge, um, amazing gratitude for those people who were able to do what they do. And and now today I, I work out of the World Trade Center, and Hyper, who is the sponsor of the show, is in the World Trade Center. So I've seen it all down there, right? I saw it, 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 it before it came down. I saw it come down live, stayed down there for 15 years, and now have been working out of the four World Trade Center for the past year and a half, two years. And if you haven't had a chance to head down there and see the memorial and see the fountains and see the museum, and see the latest uh, build that they've done, which is the Oculus, the new train station with the incredible mall that they've built, head down there. It is absolutely sensational. It's as special as it gets. Bring your family. Give everybody big hugs. Remember what happened on that day because it's not over. It's a constant battle with these, uh, with these people. And uh, what I learned of living down in New York for all that time and is that New York is the best city in the world, and it's the best place in the world with the best people. And as time continues to go and more young people start to learn about this in school, the key is, is never forget. Never forget what happened, not only what happened to the, on the damages, but never forget how everybody came together, the restaurants, the firefighters, and the people that live in New York City and all over the country and the world, how everybody came together to build downtown back up. And there's so many people who deserve a standing ovation. Of course, nobody more than the firefighters in the police department of, of New York, but I encourage everybody to head down to 9-11, where it happened, head down to the World Trade Center, experience uh, what I walk through and experience every day because it is an incredible, incredible uh, build-out, and they've done an incredible job, and the new Oculus is just a sensational uh, sort of ch cherry on top of what they've built. It's got an Italy. It's got uh, a Mac store. You want to get some great jewelry. It's got my guys at London Jewelers. It's got it all, but Again, it's it's just from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you to everybody 
who live down there, who built that thing back up, and most of all, the New York uh, firefighters and, and police officers who've just done an absolutely sensational job. And with all the world going on, with everything going on, and protests of how, you know, what police do and how they treat people and this and that, and all of it is understood to a degree, nobody can ever forget the job and the effort that those people put in to save potentially my life, my family's life, and everybody that lived in downtown Manhattan. So salute to everybody for putting it all together. And please, I encourage you to come on down and take a look at what's been built and experience it with your family for yourself. And before we go, I want to jump into the hyper heat report. And I know, as I said, we haven't done it in about three weeks, and we're going to look at three individuals based on their hyperheat index in, the, in uh, football. And the first is number 13 for the G-men, Odell Beckham Jr. And we know from the hyper data, Odell with monster numbers, almost 10 million followers total, five and a half on Instagram, one and a half on Twitter, and 1.2 on Facebook. Odell Beckham Jr. getting 130,000 likes for every post he puts up. And he's getting about 780 comments. Unbelievable. Huge, huge numbers for Odell Beckham. We also see, interestingly, his audience almost 70% in the U.S., so 30% all over the country, uh, with his biggest uh, about 8% coming from London. So Odell Beckham, LSU, uh, now with the New York Giants, very outspoken, brash player, um, and his Social data shows that he's very social, drafted in 2014, uh, 130,000 likes per uh, post on Instagram. We head over to Antonio Brown. We talked about him a little bit before. Brown is right now the best receiver in the league and the number one pick in every fantasy draft. Brown, with a little over 1 million followers on Instagram, getting about 23,000 likes per post. So think about that. 23,000 likes per post, Odell Beckham getting 130,000. So about 100,000 more for Beckham. Antonio Brown with 500,000 followers on Facebook and actually about 25,000 on Vine. And when you actually look at Beckham, I didn't throw this out, two and a half million, two, excuse me, 2,500 followers on Pinterest for Beckham, 25,000 followers on Vine for Antonio Brown. When you match up the gender, same thing, 73% men, 70, 27% female, 71% for Antonio Brown, 29% female. So very similar when you look at their gender breakdowns. Two big-time wide receivers, very loud, everyone knows who they are. Pick two of the top three picks in, the, in every fantasy draft, um, and their numbers look similar when you look at the gender breakdown, but when you look at the social amplification, Odell Beckham clearly is, is the leader in the space. And then the last is my guy Matt Forte uh, running back for the New York J-E-T-S, Jet, Jet, Jet. And you see there's no um, Twitter for Matty Forte. He's actually not on Twitter, number 22, but uh, 70% men who follow him, 30% female on Facebook and Instagram, and Matt with about not huge numbers, it's almost 300,000 on Facebook and a little over 215,000 on Instagram, and getting about 
5,000 likes per every one of his posts and getting a decent amount of comments as well. So Matt Forte, a Chicago a running back for a long time now with the New York Jets. Um, what I found interesting about uh, Matt's um, hyper report is he's got 94% U.S. Uh, followers, which means he isn't really international, hasn't done much uh, internationally uh, with the Bears and now with the Jets. Um, so much less, not as well known. Uh, and 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 a big reason why is he's not he's not on Twitter. So um, sort of those things go hand in hand with each other. But uh, that's your hyper heat report um, for Wednesday, September fifteenth. Thanks to Hyper for being a part of the Hyper Heat Report and, of course, being a founding sponsor of today's show. I uh, really appreciate everything that Hyper does. And, again, Hyper uh, is the leader in uh, celebrity and influencer data and intelligence. You can find out more information about Hyper at hyperbrands, H-Y-P-R-Brands.com. Thank you to um, that great Darren Ravel for being a part of today's show. Very, very much appreciated, as I mentioned before. Thanks to the PR teams at ESPN, ABC, and Disney. Thanks to the Crowds Line for being a fun uh, fun part of the show and by offering everybody a chance to go there, predict what's going to happen. They're hot on the Steelers this weekend against the Bengals off that big uh, Monday night win. So head over to the crowdsline.com, make your prediction today. Really fun show. Happy to be back, Adam. We are working on uh, another show potentially at the end of this week or early next week. Uh, it was a lot of fun today talking to Darren, talking about uh, week one of the NFL. You know, when we get into baseball, we will have uh, a, a great baseball guru come on and talk about uh, the playoffs and who they like. Uh, I know we had Costa Kennedy from SI on a couple months ago who did his season preview, so we're working on someone like that or at that level to come on and talk about uh, sort of the Major League Baseball. We're going to get some of the other guys that we had on last year, like Jumbotron for fantasy, Mark Kriegel for football. We're going to go into the Burger Shop Network and touch the right people to have them on and give you what you're looking for, which is uh, unbiased, fantastic content uh, with some of the leaders in the space today. So I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to the show today. Of course, you can head over to iTunes and download Inside the Burger Shop and listen to that podcast as you commute, work out, uh, or just lay in bed and relax. I appreciate everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say, adios. That you heard about talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth. Social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be. Talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next. Cause that's the type of podcast you listen to. Powered by the hyper brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront. Got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront. Listen to the broadcast, touches almost anything. Sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing. So listen to the man right ahead of his time on your podcast. You can download or listen live. So here comes the podcast, here comes your host. The Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast. In any way you want to do it, listen to the show. Ryan got the insights. The Burger Shop, you know. Burger